0: We are starting a new series today called Unshakable, And I want to just start off by simply saying to you that if you don't know it, believer, whether you're experiencing this now or not, you have an unshakable faith. You have an unshakable life. You have a foundation that is set, that is firm. The question is, do you know it? So let's start off real quick with the most unconventional uh, story that I want to use to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about here called the three little pigs how many of you remember that story right (laughs) once upon a time there was an old mother pig this is the original three little pig story I didn't even know this story was was the original right but once upon a time there was an old mother pig who had three little pigs and not enough food to feed them so when they were old enough she sent them out into the world to seek their fortunes the first little pig was very lazy He didn't want to work at all, and he built his house out of straw. The second little pig worked a little bit harder, but he was somewhat lazy too. Then they sang and danced and played together the rest of the day. Uh, The third little pig worked hard all day and built his house with bricks. It was a sturdy house, complete with a fine fireplace and chimney. It looked like it it could withstand the strongest winds. The next day, a wolf happened to pass by the lane where the three little pigs lived. And he saw the straw house and he smelled the pig inside. He thought that the pig would make a mighty fine meal of um, pernil, (laughs) right? And his mouth began to water, right? So he knocked on the door and he said, little pig, little pig, let me in, let me in. But the little pig saw the wolf's, uh, the wolf's big paws through the keyhole. And so he answered, no, 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 not by the hairs of my chinny chin chin. Chin, chin chin. There you go. You guys still remember your childhood, right? Then the wolf showed his teeth and said, then I'll huff and i puff and I'll blow your house down. And so he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. The wolf opened his jaws very wide and bit down as hard as he could, but the first little pig escaped and ran away to hide with the second little pig. The wolf continued down the lane and he passed by the second house made of sticks, and he saw the house and smelled the pigs inside, and his mouth began to water. And as he thought about the fine dinner, they, I'm sorry, as he thought about the fine dinner they would make, so he knocked on the door and said, "Little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in." But the little pigs saw the wolf's pointy ears through the keyhole, and so they answered back, No, 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 not by the hairs of my chinny-chin-chin, right? And so the wolf showed his teeth and said, Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And so he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. And the wolf was greedy and he tried to catch both pigs at once in his jaws. But he was too greedy and got neither. His big jaws clamped down on nothing but air, and the two little pigs scrambled away as fast as their little hooves would carry them. The wolf chased them down the lane, uh, and he almost caught them, but they made it to the brick house and slammed the door closed before the wolf could catch them. The three little pigs, uh, they were very frightened. They knew the wolf wanted to eat them, and that was very, very true. The wolf hadn't eaten all day and had worked up a large appetite chasing the pigs around. And now he could smell all three of them inside. And he knew that there would be three little pigs who would make a lovely feast with some tortones. (laughs) So the wolf knocked on the door and said, little pigs, little pigs, let me in, let me in. But the little pigs saw the wolf's narrow eyes through the keyhole, and so they answered back, No, 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 not by the hairs on our chinny-chin-chin. And so the wolf showed his teeth and said, Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Well, he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he puffed and he huffed and he huffed and, and he puffed and he puffed, but he could not blow the house down. At last, he was out of breath, He was so out of breath that he couldn't huff, and he couldn't puff anymore. So he stopped to rest and thought a bit. My kindergarten teacher was smart enough not to share this part of the story with me. But this was too much. And so the wolf danced about with rage and swore he would come down the chimney and eat up the little pigs for his supper. But while he was climbing on the roof, the little pig made up a blazing fire and put it on a big pot full of water to boil. Then just as the wolf was coming down the chimney, the little pig took the lid off And plump, in fell the wolf into the scalding water. So the little piggy put out the cover again and boiled the wolf up, and the three little pigs ate him up for supper. (laughs) Those are some smart pigs, right? So this old folk tale, right, provides us with a very telling life picture that we should all consider, right? Life is a lot like this story for us as believers, God has given us a new life as new creations. Would we agree with that? Yes. Okay, some of, some of you agree with that. Some of you are concerning me. Okay, right? Um, see, we all, have to, we all have the tools that we need for life, but the question we must all come to terms, is, terms with is, what do we do with these truths? And what will we build according to them? The truth is this, that God has entrusted you and I the life that we have. He's given you life, but He's given you the ability to make choice. That makes sense? And so we all have to make choices. And those choices, believe it or not, play a part in the life that you build. Now God has empowered you. He's given you His promises. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. So think of it this way. You have all the tools you need. You've got all the equipment that you need. You have the very spirit of God with you. But if you are to have a house, a life that stands, you must build it upon an unshakable foundation. Right, right. An unshakable foundation. So what kind of life have you built thus far is a question that I want you to ponder. And what is it founded upon? Right. This is an important question for all of us to ponder because how we answer it and what we do with it will determine our next steps and our outcomes. I want to start off by simply making this statement to you. You are built to last. Tell that to somebody. You're built to last. You're going to tell somebody else, I'm built to last. Now, let's say this together. We're built to last. We're built to last. Listen, if you are a child of God, believe it or not. You might be going through some stuff, but let me, let me, let me assure you of something that that's not God's will for your life. God's will for your life is that you live a rock-solid life founded upon Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. How many of you know that when you know the truth, the truth really does set you free? Yes. But you have to first know the truth, yes. right? FYI, know the truth first, right? And so we're built to last. And so I want us to turn in our Bibles real quick to Luke chapter 6, verses 49, 46 through 49. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. And these are the very words of Jesus himself. He says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house, listen closely, was great. If you've accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ and what God has done for all humanity, inclusive of yourself, If you've accepted, if you you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came and paid the ultimate price for all humanity, that He died and He rose again, that He did away with with the stain of sin upon the life of every believer who accepts that free gift, if you've accepted that, if you believe that, then I want you to hear something. That this scripture is talking about you. That potential exists for you. See, as a, jo- as a child of God, the blueprint for your life and mine calls for us to have a life that is founded upon a solid foundation, one that can withstand the trials of life, the plots of the enemy, and come what may, what, what, what may it may remain standing. You know, I remember uh, this past summer we did our first ever summer camp for kids, right? And uh, we took kids to the beach. We can put that picture up if you don't mind it surprised me how many kids had never been to the beach before. And so we said, we're, we're going to the beach. And so we went to the beach. And you know, as I was at the beach, and I was reflecting upon this sermon series a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing for it and thinking about this, I remember that we went to this really nice beach. And there was a lot of adults, and there was a lot of kids. But I didn't see any adults building sandcastles. I didn't see any adults playing with sand. I saw kids playing with sand. What's my point with that, ladies and gentlemen? The immature believer, the one that rejects truth, the one that wants nothing to do or is or remains oblivious by choice of what the Word of God says and and the foundation that it builds for us, that's the one that lives life as if they're playing solely with sand. You can build, but it won't stand. See, you're built to last. And so, I want us to really begin to wrap our heads around what Jesus is saying. But before we go there, I want us to turn real quick to another portion of Scripture in Hebrews 12, 28. Because I want to show you that this isn't my idea. This is God's Word. This is God's design for you and I. In Hebrews 12, 28, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version. It says this, Therefore, so let me just pause right there. There's a reason why that's therefore. Now, if you read the previous verses to that, you'll see that it's talking about what Christ has done on our behalf, and it gives us examples through men men of faith in verse in chapter eleven, and then into chapter twelve, it tells us that we're to look unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. So that's that's the foundation we have, and so he says, therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude. And offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. See, what you've received in Christ can't be shaken. I need to say that again. What you've received in Christ cannot be shaken. Now, you might shake in your boots because you maybe you're, you're taking your eyes off the truth. You might be moved by what prophet bucket mouth says about demon such and such and this person and that person but have you forgotten that the bible says that the enemy is defeated have you forgotten that the bible says that you win have you forgotten that the bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper but listen closely here's the second half to it and every tongue that rises up against you you shall condemn And so the Bible clearly states that we are victorious in Christ. And if we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, then it would behoove us. We would be remiss to overlook the truth of God's word and see, wait, I know what it feels like, but I know what I'm standing upon. It's a big difference there. We need to be looking to the truths that are revealed to us in God's word. And what the word of God says about you and I as it pertains to every area of our lives. I don't care what your checkbook says. I don't care what people say. I don't care what the news says. What does the word of God say? Because the kingdom of God that resides with you cannot be shaken. Oh, but wait, Pastor. I thought that the kingdom of God is when we go to heaven. Really? What did John say? The kingdom of God is what? At hand. It's here now. Christ has come. The kingdom of God is here with you. And if you've accepted Christ, just remember what Scripture says, that you are a co-laborer, that you are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. You have received the kingdom, the authority, the power, the backing, the love, the strength of God. And you have no reason to shake. It's interesting, but this is why this scripture tells us that it makes this statement. It says, let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing service. See, you can only please God when you're doing exactly what he's called you to. You please God because of who you are in Christ. But when you walk according to that, oh my God, the joy that's revealed through your life. And so what I want us to see is that when we take a hold of the kingdom that is ours, that is in us, that is now, we live an unshakable life. Winds may blow, situations may come, problems may arise, your kids may bug out. It may look crazy, but get back to your root. Get back to your very core, God. But your word says that I can do all things through Christ, who is my strength. I don't even have to exercise. I don't even have to be strong in my own ability. I can just stand in your ability, Lord. I trust you. A, a while ago, my son got into an accident, and 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 the 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 uh you know he totaled the car. I just bought it for him. He totaled it, um, and so he was without a car, and he needed a car. And uh, so I, went, I, I, I gave him my car, the one that I was driving. I gave it to him. He's still driving it now. And um, a couple of weeks, the, the cycle ended, and the new one came in. And when I saw the bill, it was double what we were paying for five vehicles. It doubled. And I called the insurance. The first when I showed it to my wife, she was like, <laughs> she, she didn't say anything. See, my my wife is wise enough not to speak out of fear. And so I simply said, Lord, you make all things to work out for the good to those that love you and are called according to your purposes. Father, I entrust this to you. Your word tells me that if I commit my ways unto you in Psalm 37, that you will establish a path before me. Father, I trust you. I called the insurance company. They weren't willing to work with me. They they said, you know what? It is what it is. Those are our rates. I said, well, I'm going to go shop around. They said, you do that. See if you find a better rate. Guess what? I'm paying less than what I was paying before. With an accident on my history, right? And it wasn't even me. It was my son. But anyway, whatever. I'm paying for it. But my point is this. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. When we trust upon God and in Christ alone, as this song was saying, in Christ alone, I'm, fi- I'm found in Christ. I find my strength in Christ. Listen, those are not just words that we sing. That is truth that we are declaring. And we must stand upon that. Right? And so this is why when the scripture says, let us, that word, let, those words, let us, means to hold, to direct. It speaks of a continuity as a wire and, and, and the electricity that it conveys. Right, It speaks of conceiving so we can live an unshakable life. We can operate in unshakable faith as we take a hold of the truth in Christ and live lives that are pleasing according to what God's will already is, what he's declared over us. So the question is this, if we just pause and think about this for for, for a bit. Why is it then that as believers sometimes we can see people with faith, quote-unquote, that can be shaken? Why is it that we can be shaken at times? Why is it that we can, it's like everything can crumble, feel like everything's coming apart in a moment? And I'm so glad you asked that question because I want to take you to Scripture, Right? And I want us to look back to Luke chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 46 through 49 a bit. We're going to dig in there, right? Listen, if the unshakable life that is ours is to become a reality, we must take note of the words of Jesus. We have to really examine what Jesus is saying here, right? So in verse 46, and we could just throw that up again, verse 46, it says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? So what we see here is this, that Jesus is addressing a people that are hearing what he's saying, but they're not doing what he's saying. In other words, it sounds good. Amen, Jesus. Mm, That's good preaching, Jesus. Go ahead, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. But there's no action correlated to, to, to those words. And so, We know that Jesus has a problem with this because we see him addressing the issue. So in other words, his aim is that they would leave the sandbox and instead build upon a firm foundation. In verse 47, let's uh, throw that up real quick. Jesus identifies three things. Three things that we must all do to live an unshakable life, to live with unshakable faith. The first thing he says is, Come to me. Come to me. He says, whoever comes to me. So he talks about coming to him. The second thing that he identifies is this. Hear what he says. Hear his saying. And then the last thing that he says is, do what I say. So let's talk real quick about coming to him. The very act of coming denotes the necessity to leave where you are in order to go where Christ is calling you. Can I just stop there for a moment? So we love Jesus, and we hear the call that he's called us to follow him. And we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. And you know, in the beginning, it's comfortable there. But after a while, as we begin to grow according to the word, here's what we see that faith says, we got to do something. There's some decisions that I have to make. Not because I have to, not because he's demanding it from me, but because I love him. You know, when I married my wife, I made some decisions. There were some people that I cut off. I I just had to. I had a friend who said, oh, it's either me or her, and I was like, dude, are you crazy? (laughs) You bugging, bro, roll out. (laughs) I got no love for you. I got to go home with her at night. I'm not staying with you. So there comes a decision that we have to make. So to come requires a necessity to leave a place to go to a better one and if we're to come to Christ we have to respond let me give you an example from a a couple of verses of scripture we were looking at in our previous series but just some things that I saw there that I want to point out to you today so they may sound familiar the the scriptures Luke chapter 9 verses 59 through 62 Jesus it says then he said to another but he said Lord Let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In both of these uh, invitations to come, to follow him, we note that both of these men were not intent upon coming to Jesus. How, how could you say that? They said, we'll follow you. No. They said, we'll follow you. But they also said, let me first. They also spoke about something that was behind them. One guy's focusing on dead things. Oh, you can't say that, Pastor Jose. That's His family member, he's dead. He's dead for crying out loud. He's no longer with us. I know that sounds insensitive to some of you. I'm not trying to sound insensitive. I'm not trying to be insensitive. But here's what Jesus is saying. Are you going to put more importance upon something that's dead and will produce nothing in your life? Or are you going to focus and chase after life? Jesus said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. The second thing is this. Jesus said, the other one says, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll go wherever you're going. And he says, but first, let me go back to my people. Let me go say goodbye. And Jesus' response is this. No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. What was Jesus saying there? Well, you know, as you think about that, so this first guy's focus upon dead things, things that will produce nothing in his life. Jesus says, You follow me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You come this way. Right? But he doesn't choose that. We never hear from this guy again in the Bible. Right? The second guy comes up and he says, Oh, let me first go back to my my household. Let's say goodbye to them, you know, and then I'll come and follow you. And Jesus uses an interesting response to his words. Now, if you think about it, what are plows used for? Plows are used to till the ground, right? And they're used to break up, fallow ground, right? Hard ground to, to break away and remove rocks and all that. But for what purpose? To prepare the ground to receive seed. And so what is Jesus really saying here? He's saying no one who puts his hand to the plow with the intention of reaping a harvest and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a harvest that God has ahead of you. There's a harvest. There are things that God wants to produce in and through your life. We saw that in our previous series, John 15. It says that, I can't, that you bear what? Much fruit. And so what Jesus is saying here is this in both of these cases. Listen, you have to do something with the words that you... If I'm calling you to come, that you've got to move... You've got to go somewhere with this. I have news for you, ladies and gentlemen. You are not created to simply sit. You're not created. You're not called to a comfortable experience of Christianity. Oh, we have the peace of God. We have the strength of God. But God has created you for good works. He's ordained works before you, before the foundation of the world. The Bible says. The Bible says that he directs the steps of the just. Can I say this with all love and sincerity? Get to stepping. Amen. Get going somewhere with this faith. Start doing something with this faith. Come from where you are to where Christ is taking you. In both cases, they failed to come. And so instead of going anywhere that is lasting and of meaningful, of meaningful impact, they stayed stuck where they were. We never hear from them again. Jesus calls them to hear his sayings. Jesus wasn't referring to the act of audibly hearing the sounds of his words here. The translated Greek here means to perceive and understand the sense of what is said. It means to attend to or to give ear to the teaching or the teacher. In other words, this is speaking of intently listening. Of gleaning something from what he's saying. In Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, I'm looking at the New Living Translation. It says this, my child, how many of you know that's you? Say, "That's that's me. My child, that's you. Yeah, absolutely. That's me. That's us. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear. That means to reverence the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. Now if any of you guys are like me that are married or maybe you've been there, right? Because I'm getting better at this, I hope, right? If any of you are like me, you've probably experienced those moments where your wife is you know, she's conversing. And then uh, maybe a couple of days later, she goes, remember when I told you, and you go, you said what? When did you say that? We were just talking about this the other day. Remember we were sitting, uh, we went out for dinner and I was telling you and, 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 and you said yes and you agreed, right? Wives, please don't kill your husbands. Please don't do that. Don't, just, just love them. Love covers a multitude of sinners, what scripture says, right? But if you're anything like me, At that moment, here's what's really happening, and let's be honest about this for a moment. What's really happening here is this: what the person is saying isn't nearly as important in your mind and in your perspective at that moment as what you're doing. Ouch! Some of you say might say Amen, and some of you might say Oh me. It's all right. If the shoe fits, change it. But here's the point. There's a reason why God says, treasure my commands. Value the words that I'm giving you. These words that are spirit and that are, that are life, this word that is transforming, that is changing, this word by which I created and called all things into existence, this word by which I call things that be not as though they are, this word which is alive and active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joins his marrow, this word that that regenerates you, that 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 heals you, that brings truth to you, that renews your mind, this word treasure it listen my child he says listen when this word holds higher value in our lives than anything else we will live with a clear understanding of who God is in our lives and we will gain knowledge for every circumstance ladies and gentlemen you don't have to walk in life as if you're walking in the dark not God's plan for you God's not withholding the truth from you I haven't heard from God yet how can that be possible if you have his word how is that possible this is the deciphering tool by which we understand the very words of Jesus Christ this is the word that the Holy Spirit draws us to these are the words that Jesus said that he'll remind you of the things that I've spoken When it talks about the Holy Spirit, Jesus uh, in John 14 said to the disciples, and he says to us, Listen, he will only speak what he hears from the Father. And last time I checked, God esteems his word above his very name. That's what scripture says. And so God is always speaking. The question is, are we valuing his word? Are we seeking his truth like treasure? Are we listening? And so lastly, it talks about doing what he says. And according to Luke 48, let's put that up on the screen. Luke 48 says, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Let me just pause right there for a moment. I want you to think about this because Jesus is addressing a people who obviously aren't doing what he says. So they're not listening, right? They're not coming from where they are to where he's calling them. But here's what they're also not doing. They're not doing anything. And Jesus gives us a prime example of what he talks about, what he means when he says doing something with what he says. Notice that the man that builds his house upon a rock, the unshakable man, the man, the woman that stands firmly fitted in their unshakable faith in Christ, that this person is not a shallow person. They're not a superficial person. No, this person digs deep. This person goes deep. They go deep. Can I be honest with you guys for a moment? You still love me? That's all right. I hope I'm not offending you, but if I have, let's talk about it according to the word. Let's go back to the word. All right? I want you to consider this, that the man who digs deep is the one that hits solid foundation. They're building some houses by where we live now, we live in a town home. We have a really nice big town home, and they're just ruining my view now. <laughs> Riley, my, my, my chocolate lab, he, he just can't go out and run over there no more. But here's what's interesting. They spent about two months, man, maybe less, maybe about a month and a half or so, digging out these huge holes. I mean, they were deep. Riley one day tried to jump in there to go after a stick. I said, no, nah, man, I'm not going down there to get you. Get over here. But they dug these huge, deep holes. And as they dug, there were rocks, these big boulders that they had to bring in uh, this, this machinery to break it up and then bring it out and all that. And so, but they dug deep for a reason. They dug deep for the sake of building something firm. And ladies and gentlemen, we can easily dress up this life, we can be very shallow. If we're not careful, we can say the right things. We can do the right things. We can act the right way. Not that it's right, really, but we can do all the things that dress this up real nice. We can do all the good Christian things. We can even do good works. We can say the right scriptures. We can act the right way. We can associate with the quote unquote right people. But if that's all we're doing, just realize something. You're not scratching the surface. The man that lives and stands upon an unshakable foundation, an unshakable faith, is the man that digs deep. Here's what I know about digging deep. It's messy. It can get messy. And when you choose to do what God's word says, it's going to break up some of the pretty facades that we've set up sometimes. Right? Right? it's going to crush some of our sandcastles that look so pretty. It's going, it's, it's, it's going to destroy some things that we take pride in having built, but the thing is that it won't stand. It's interesting, but Scripture says this, unless the Lord build the house, the, la- the, the one that builds, builds in vain, is what Scripture says. And so... We have to realize that if we're to go somewhere, if we're to do what Jesus says, if we're to walk in the authority and exercise this truth, James says, you got faith? Cool. That's awesome. Show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. Now, I'm not talking about you working for your salvation, but I am talking about you working from your salvation. I am talking about you doing something because you are saved for good works. I'm talking about you exercising the truth of God's word. I'm talking about you loving the unlovable. I'm talking about you forgiving when it hurts. I'm talking about you forgetting and moving on. I'm talking about you living free and freeing others from the guilt and the condemnation and the things that you might hold against them. See, faith that works, works. It works first, to be honest with you. It does something because of the truth, not for the truth. And so Jesus says, do what I say. Psalm 42 verses 7 and 8 says this. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. That's talking about God. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. Listen. There's nothing shallow about the relationship that God wants with you and I. No, he's calling deep to deep. Dig deep. Can I encourage you? Dig a little deeper. Dig further. Dig into this word. I love what Paul tells Timothy. He says, Timothy. Timothy. Stir up the gift that's in you. You know why he was talking to me, telling him to stir it up? Because it had settled at the bottom. So he says to him, stir that up. Fan into flame the gifts that are in you. Do something. Respond to the word of God today. Proverbs 1, I believe it's verse 27, gives us this analogy. It says that that wisdom cries out in the square. You know what's interesting about that square? It's an intersection. Last time I checked, whenever you get to an intersection, you're faced with a decision. Hello? Listen up. Somebody needed to hear that. The day of decision is today. Am I going to continue to live shallow? Not to say that you are. Please don't hear me that way. But if you are, praise God, today's the day to respond to wisdom and say, I'm going deeper. Because he's crying out deep unto deep. And when you go deep with God, guess what? You don't have to worry about drowning. He's overwhelming you with his love, with his strength, with his power, with his presence, with his truth, with his forgiveness, with his grace, with his love. There's an old song. I don't know why I'm remembering this, but there's an old song by an artist called Janie Smith. I'm going to sing it in the key of Z. Uh, But it goes goes something like this. Your love is deep. Your love is wide. Your love is long. Your love is high. Your love goes deeper than my view of grace. Farther than this earthly place. Longer than my hopes can travel. Wider than the something, something, something. Forget the rest. But my point is this. Please don't clap. That There was nothing good about that. <laughs> my point is this. Look, I don't have no problem shouting myself out. My point is this. You really want to go somewhere. You want to exercise these truths. You got to get past the surface level. His love truly does go deep. It's taking us somewhere. So I want to point your attention for the next couple of moments that I have. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. And I'll tell you why in a second. I want you to uh, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And I'll give you all a second to get there. Because I want us to read this together. I know we put it on the screen and that's okay. But if you got your Bible, use it. I want you to underline here if you can. I want you to go back and look at this. Because Acts chapter 3 gives us the story of a man who had a weak foundation. Listen, not only was he crippled, but he didn't know Christ. It gets no worse than that. The Bible says that this man was crippled from birth that he had no ability to walk. And so this man spent his days at the gate of the temple where believers would go and he would beg for alms. He would beg for substance. He was seeking something. And one day, while doing the ordinary, his ordinary, Not God's ordinary, because God's ordinary is extraordinary for you, and you know that. He finds himself there, and Peter and Paul walk in. Let's see what the Bible says. We're going to read Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. So get this. This guy's a pro at this. All right, guys, don't forget to be at my house by 8. People start arriving at the temple by 9. You got to get me there by 8.45. So come pick me up, right? These guys pick them up. They carry him over there, they lay him out, right? He gets his little cup or whatever it is together, right? Maybe he puts on a sign, I don't know, I'm not judging the guy, but whatever it is. And he's ready to beg for alms the entire day. So this guy's used to this. This is his foundation. This is what he called rock solid. The thing is, he was unable to stand. It wasn't taking them anywhere. It was day to day. And so, verse 3 says that Peter and John were about to go into the temple and he asked them for alms. And he fixed his eyes on him, Peter, with John. And Peter said, look at us. And so, he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. What was it that Peter was ready to give him? Listen closely, believer. Let me just pause here for a moment. Let me just give you a forewarning of what we're going to be doing here today. On Friday, I went to sleep really early. I was in bed by like 7.30. I just went upstairs, just laid out, and I was, had the TV on, not because I was watching it, it was just noise in the background, and I just fell out. And the whole night, I kept dreaming and dreaming and dreaming. And as I was dreaming, all I kept dreaming was about the Word. And I keep hearing the Word of God in my ear. And I keep waking up. And I find myself waking up and I'm praying Scripture. Praying Scripture. Praying Scripture. Praying Scripture. And the Lord is just speaking some things to me. And then at about five, some odd in the morning... I'm half asleep. It's usually around the time I wake up. I'm laying on my right ear, on my right side, on my pillow, and I'm sleeping. And the Lord takes me back to Acts chapter 3. And here's what He said to me Expect the miraculous. Let me tell you why I'm sharing that with you. Because today we're going to take some time at the end of service to pray. And if there's something that you need prayer about, if it's a physical ailment, if you're at a crossroads, you're struggling with some things, you're lacking direction, you're lacking peace your world seems to be crumbling and you're holding on to it like sand but you keep finding that it just keeps slipping through your fingers. I want you to know that you are ripe for a harvest today. But you must take a step. You must come. You must believe. I've said this before here for those of you that have been here for a while but believers, you know, we're called to really believe. Believers believe. That's what a believer is characterized by, by their belief in God. And if it's in God's word, then it's settled. If God's God's word says that his will is that you prosper and that you be in health as your mind prospers, then I pray that today your mind is renewed and it's prospered and you accept the fact that God wants you well right now. Because the kingdom of God is now. If you've settled for a mentality that says I'm destined for poverty, I'm destined to struggle, that is not God's will. Make a decision today because wisdom's crying out and he says I'm prospering you. I'm calling you to more. Stop looking back. Start pushing that plow because there's a harvest that's coming. We're going to pray about that. I want you to come up and just let us pray with you. But listen, if you come up And you want prayer, don't look to the man or the woman that will pray for you. We're just simply doing what the word says. We agree with his word and we speak it over you and declare it over you. And we believe and receive and thank God that it is done in your life. You know, this isn't in my notes, just dawned on me right now. But in the book of James, it talks about the unstable man. It says that he's double-minded. And because he's double-minded, it says he's like the waves that are tossed to and fro, listen, by the winds that blow. So you want some stability? You want unshakable faith working in your life? Stop letting yourself be blown by the winds of doctrine. Paul said that. I didn't say that. Stop allowing yourself to be blown by momentary, temporary setbacks. Listen, you don't have setbacks. You have set-ups. Stand firm. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let it be known unto God. Oh, man, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Today is the day. The kingdom is now. And you can embrace and receive it. And so here's this man at the gate. And Peter looks at him. And Peter says to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you rise up and walk. Verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet... And ankle bones receive strength. Picture what is going on here. This guy has never walked in his life. If you can even begin to understand what that means, what that must be like. His muscle has no memory from which to operate from. And he receives the truth. In Jesus' name. This is God's will for me right now. Listen, he didn't just get up. He leaped up. How does somebody leap that never knew how to leap? How does somebody begin to run and walk and shout and and, and jump up? And people are like, dude, is that really real? In the name of Jesus. Some breakthrough coming today for some of you. You embrace it. And so he leaping up and stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10. And then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Pause right there. You can stop right there and go, man, good story. No, it gets better. If you read a little verse, a couple of verses down, you'll see that people start looking at this guy and they're going, could it really be? And they're amazed. And now they're looking at the disciples. Peter says, what are you looking at us for? As if we had something to do with this. The same Jesus that you guys assented to being crucified and you accepted a, a, a murderer amongst you and you forsook him, right? This same Jesus, the one that died and he rose again, And watch verse 16. Verse 16 says this, And in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. What made him strong? What made him unshakable? What made him solid, rock solid foundation? It was all in his name. It was faith in Christ and in Christ alone. That was it. There was no dress attire that was required. There was no certain amount of scriptures that he had to know. He didn't even have a Bible for crying out loud. He's out there begging for alms. He's probably got his sign in his head and his little cup. None of that had anything to do with it. His appearance, his social status, his inability to walk, his unrenewed mind. None of that had anything to do with it. I got to read verse 16 again. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. Watch this, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You want an unshakable faith? Faith is for Jesus. Faith is not for things. Faith isn't for that new shiny car that you want. Faith isn't even for finances. Oh, you operate in faith when you believe the word of God. But faith is for God. Faith isn't to access goods. Faith is to access God. And so today... Pastor Nell, I want you to come on up here. Lenny, I'm gonna ask you to come on up here, please. Jim. Jim, I'm gonna ask you to come on up here. Lori, I'm gonna ask you to come on up here. Here's what I want to do today. Here's what I want to do today. We're gonna to play some, we're going to have some music playing in the background. But here's what we're gonna to do today. If you have a need, listen, if you don't have a need, that praise God. Praise God. But if there's a breakthrough that you're needing, if there's something that, 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 that needs to just, you're just like, you know what, enough. I'm done just sitting in this mess. I'm coming. I'm getting up. I'm putting legs to this faith that I claim. And I'm believing that God is able in all things. And I'm going to stand with people of faith, not to say that they're not sitting amongst you either but I'm going to stand and you know what? We're going to agree according to God's word and from this day forward it will never be the same because it's in his name.